So this thought, this moment of going, okay, how do my inspirations in life, what do I get inspired by, move into aspirations that can actually make or break my life? Think about that for a second. The things that inspire us, how do they then move into what we aspire to do, what we want to go out and achieve? And are those aspirations that we build, that we create, are those aspirations that we hold on to, how do they begin to make or break our lives? Because here's the thing that we know, right? Have you ever aspired to something, fulfilled it, actually made it, fulfilled it, and you were less satisfied than what you thought you would be. You found little fulfillment in it. Or that you have aspired to a certain point in this life, that you think you should have accomplished certain things. Maybe it's in jobs or family situations. Maybe it's in things that you own that you aspire to have at this point and that you don't. And you feel less than. Or maybe it's that sense that the aspiration, it's kind of like, all right, is it one of those things that has been helpful or has it hindered you or your life? And you go, man, do I need to like redo it? Do I need to be rethinking what my life aspires to? So for today, as we think about that, as we're trying to figure out how our aspirations can make our, or break our lives, how they can contribute, how they can help us to thrive or keep us in the place of not enough, not doing enough, not good enough, we'll never make it. How those aspirations, those tension of our aspirations are connected to God. How does God's grace begin to help us in understanding what we need to aspire to, what we need to say, you know what, I need to let go of and help us to understand those aspirations that are going to leave us unfulfilled. Feel, feel like, you know what, I, I'm not satisfied in this life. So for today, we are finishing up chapter 13 of Matthew. And here we've been working through it for the last couple of weeks in different ways. And we've got a few more parables. And the parables today are only found in the book of Matthew. They are special to the book of Matthew. And they're kind of short. They are like a sentence, maybe two. And we're going to actually go to a few sentences beyond the parables because it's interesting to see the people's response, the people's response to Jesus, because there's two responses in what we're going to read today and to see the differences in those, especially when thinking about what are they aspiring to? What's, what's the point of their life? So beginning in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field which someone else found and covered up. 
full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. All right, so kingdom of heaven, we have defined over the last few weeks as how God encompasses our entire lives. So the kingdom of heaven is an acknowledgement of how God encompasses our entire lives. And here, Jesus is giving a rather interesting aspect of the kingdom of heaven, of how God encompasses our lives. That when we get it, when we recognize it, when we acknowledge it, it is so much it has an energy to it. There's so much energy to it that is full of joy that we're like, this is worth our resources, our time, our values, our commitment. This becomes a priority. So when he re when he says that about that full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field, or when he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. It's like, okay, how much do we value God encompassing our entire lives? What are we, how do we acknowledge it? What are we willing to do? And a reminder that God encompasses our entire lives, whether we acknowledge it or not, that God's grace gives us that encompassing of our entire lives. So God's grace and God encompasses our entire lives but there is a moment where it's like, okay, well, do we acknowledge it or do we just, yeah, yeah, God loves me. And it doesn't change anything because here's the thing. God's grace changes us. God's grace changes our priorities. When God encompasses our entire lives and we acknowledge it, when we recognize it more than just, yeah, okay, it, it sounds good. Yeah, God loves me. We begin to change. Everything that we do begins to change. The way that we understand the world around us begins to change. The way that we engage with others. And it's, it's not a moment, like a one moment process, but is an entire life process. It is a process of discovering new things about it. Discovering, okay, well, if God is always encompassing and always inviting us into a place of peace, what does that exactly mean, depending upon the complexity we find ourselves in, this complex, this very complex life? And so it's about this journey of understanding what it means and how much value we put on it. Or maybe it's kind of one of those things, well, if I have time, then. And so here Jesus is challenging those that hear it. What is it worth? What is a changed life worth to you? What are you willing to do to acknowledge it? How does it begin to impact your practices, your habits, the way that you conduct your daily life? How does it impact our relationships? How does it impact our words, our moments, our perspectives, the way that we even internally feel? Continuing on in verses 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that people threw into the lake and gathered all kinds of fish. When it was full, they pulled it to the shore where they sat down and put the good fish together into containers. But the bad fish they threw away. That's the way it will be at the end of the present age. The angels will go out and separate the evil people from the righteous people, and they will throw the evil ones into a burning furnace. 
People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. All right, so if you're like, wow, that's some strong imagery. We talked a lot about it with the parable of the harvesters last week, and there is a definite connection here. And so when we're thinking about God encompassing our entire lives, this thought of fishing, the net being thrown out, and it gathers everything. And there's good, there's bad, there's everything in between. And here, it's this moment of going, okay, let's understand this image. Okay, of things, there are good things, and then the things that really hold our lives our life back. There are things that they need to change. And so they need to get set aside and go through a different process. There are things in our life that we need to let go of. And that image of fire is really important for us to remember. And we've talked about it over the last few weeks. That image of fire is connected to letting go, refining, and forgiveness. And then specifically the burning furnace that we talked about last week, is meant for us to go back to Daniel 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the burning furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is angry and spiteful, and he throws them in because he is going to destroy their lives. But God is with them in that furnace. There is a fourth figure in that story and God's presence. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the, the fiery furnace unhurt. They come out changed, and it changes Nebuchadnezzar. It changes everyone around them. Everyone around them is changed, and they recognize God's presence in their lives. They recognize how God is encompassing their entire lives. And so here, a reminder of that, of uh, those things that we, you know what, they are not good, they are not healthy, that that needs to go through a process of refinement that needs to get more closely connected to God, that God is constantly working and bringing us to new possibilities. And then that image, which we talked about as well last week, people there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Change is hard. And there are times where we know we need to change. We need to do things differently. And it may feel like we want to weep and grind our teeth. It's hard to change sometimes our priorities and values, to change our aspirations, to be more closely connected to God, to be more closely connected to God's grace, that it takes our time and our effort, and that it is difficult at times. It is difficult for us to go that path, but there's so much life there waiting for us to experience. There is so much joy and peace. There's so much love. There is healing and encouragement. And so Jesus is trying to get them to think about all those things that they need to let go of that keep getting in the way from, those, from them experiencing that love, that keep getting in the way of experiencing God's grace, that keep them stuck in the aspirations of life that are not fulfilling, that really don't change their life towards God, towards the good, towards thriving. Continuing on in verses 51 through 52. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. They said to him, yes. 
Then he said to them, therefore, every legal expert who has been trained as a disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like the bread of a house, the head of a household who brings old and new things out of their treasure chest. So for the first time, because usually they're like, hey, wait, wait a minute, Jesus, we don't get this. We need an explanation. But for the first time, he goes, okay, do you guys understand it? And they're like, yeah, we're starting to get it. After all of these parables, after all the explanations, they're like, okay, we think you're trying to get at how we are connected to God, how God can encompass our entire lives. And then he goes on to say, so he responds to that affirmative with, therefore, every legal expert who has been trained as a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings old and new things out of their treasure chest. Here's the thing, our lives are the treasure chest. Our lives are the, when we are like, wait a minute, we're connected to God, our, we have been given gifts and abilities, we have been given peace and joy and love, we have been given the ability to be a healing presence, we have been encouraged and can give encouragement, all of a sudden we begin to see the abundance the treasure chest of our lives and are able to bring out old and new things for others. We're able to give out of that treasure chest. We are able to give and enrich other people's lives. That all of a sudden our aspirations in life are able to build others up, are able to enrich other people's lives. And so to think about that, of how do what we aspire to in our lives, how does it enrich someone else's life? How does it build them up? How does it help them come in contact with God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's love? How do any of our aspirations begin to connect to building one another up and enriching each other's lives with peace and joy. It's that moment of going, wait a minute, we can aspire to so many things. It's so easy to kind of get caught in aspiring to a few because that's kind of what we're used to hearing. We aspire to certain jobs. We aspire to a certain comfort in life. We aspire to own or have certain things. But here Jesus is opening it up, that our lives can aspire to so much more that it enriches each of us and it enriches everyone we come in contact with. Continuing on in verses 53 through 56, when Jesus finished these parables, he departed. When he came to his hometown, he taught the people in their synagogue. They were surprised and said, where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get the power to work miracles? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't, isn't, he, isn't his mother named Mary? Aren't James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas his brothers? And his sisters, aren't they here with us? Where did this man get all of this? So Jesus finishes the parables. He's had this time with others. He's had this discussion. 
and now he goes to his hometown. And we can imagine that the people who have surrounded him, who go around with him, his disciples, right? Word is getting out about him. And he goes to the synagogue. He probably went to the synagogue that he had gone to his entire life. And he teaches. He takes this moment to teach, to share, to encourage, to enrich someone else's life with being connected to God. And the people who knew him, the people who had watched him grow up, they're like, wow, that's a whole lot of wisdom. But who is he? Who is he to be saying any of this? And it's this moment of going, wait a minute. The people have a particular way of seeing Jesus because they've watched him grow up. They have a particular understanding and they have absolutely made no other room for no other understanding. They have not left any room for possibilities of how God is working in this moment, of how God is with Jesus, of how Jesus may be God. Like they've never not left any room for any of that discussion. Instead, they're just really judgmental. They're being highly judgmental of the situation instead of leaving room for the possibility of how God's presence is with them in this moment. So they can't hear a word that Jesus says. And so this, you know, to think about that and to think about the aspirations that they probably have in their own lives. Like they've aspired to a particular comfort. They've aspired to maybe doing well in whatever trade that they are in. They have aspired to, but they've left absolutely no room for God's presence in their lives. For something different. For some possibility. And so here, this moment should actually challenge us in our own aspirations. And when we're thinking about that, of going, okay, what if we aspired to listening and holding off on judgment? What if we aspired to having compassion as our first response? What if we aspired to experiencing people through a state of mercy? What if we aspired to being a healing presence for others? What if we aspired to letting go of the things that disrupt our peace? What if we aspired to creating and choosing joy instead of everything that's going wrong? What if we aspire to noticing the best in people instead of everything that is wrong with them? What if we aspired to helping others at a moment's notice? What if we aspire to leaving the storm clouds outside and bringing the warmth in every room that we find ourselves in? What if we aspired, what if we aspired to standing alongside those who are looking for a more equitable, just way of living? What if we aspire to being present with those who are struggling this day? What if we aspire to fill in the blank 
leaving that space for the possibility? What if our aspirations begin to be changed and look a little bit different? Because here, they can't see anything. They can't understand anything outside of their own little bubble, their own little, this is the way life is, this is the way life should be, there is nothing else. They can't understand how God's grace can change their lives in a moment. But they have to aspire to it. They have to be willing to allow God's grace to change them. They have to be willing to acknowledge it and work through them. That as God encompasses their entire lives, it begins to change their perspectives, to change the way they understand people in this world, the way that they understand people engaging with others. They begin to see, to understand one another through the lens of God through the lens of God's love. And what does it mean for us to aspire to that? Not easy, not easy. And not something that we will get right at every turn and that we won't fall back into old habits. But if that's what we aspire to, what are we willing to change to get there? What mindset, what actions, what words, the way that we conduct our daily lives, what are we willing to do if that becomes our aspiration? Finishing up in verses 57 through 58, they were repulsed by him and fell into sin. But Jesus said to them, prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns and in their own households. He was unable to do many miracles there because of their disbelief. They were repulsed by him and fell into sin. They could not entertain. They couldn't even entertain the idea of how God's presence was with them in this moment. Because all they could aspire to is their own comfort. They could only aspire to what they understood in the moment, their aspiration of their worldview and nothing else. And Jesus' response to them in that, of prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns and in their own households. That sense of, you know, we let all kinds of things get in the way because we think we know, we think we've got the answers, we think we've got it figured out, and so we we are able to shove aside to dismiss how God's presence may be changing the moment, may be changing the relationship, may be moving between, amongst us, in us, in ways that bring more love in this world, that bring more peace and more joy. If we acknowledge and our, if we are willing to accept the challenge of going, okay, here we go, here I go in this moment, how can you aspire to things that are connected of God? It's this moment where they choose. They choose to not get outside of their own comfort. They aspire to nothing more than what it is in that moment. Maybe they would say something different as they are standing there or sitting around Jesus or present with Jesus. Maybe they would say, well, no, I've got aspirations and they would list them off. 
It could be some of the best carpenters, stonemason, cooks in all of town. But their aspirations have been hindered. They, they haven't gone beyond. They haven't gone beyond what is, okay, well, that's to be expected. That's kind of normal. They haven't moved their aspirations to how God may be at work in their life. They haven't moved it into the realms of love and mercy. They haven't moved it into the realms of God's grace. They haven't moved it into the realm of God's joy and God's peace. And so Jesus is like, yeah, that kind of happens. And this note is kind of interesting after Jesus' response. He was unable to do many miracles there because of their disbelief. Sometimes we shut things down. We dismiss things. We can't get our minds wrapped around or we're not willing to put in the work. And so when that happens, what are we missing out on? What healing in our lives are we missing? What new relationships or deeper relationships are we missing out on? What are we missing out that is of joy and peace, that is of encouragement because we can't move our aspirations to something so much bigger than just a few things? And so this, these stories, this parable, this interaction between Jesus and those in his hometown, how does it begin to challenge us? How does it begin to challenge the way that we understand our aspirations in life, what we want to achieve, where we want our lives to go? Will we keep it limited or will we allow it to soar in new directions because God's grace is encompassing our entire lives? God God's grace is right there, ready to change us in ways we could have never expected, ready to bring us fulfillment and satisfaction in ways that we thought were impossible. How might the aspirations we have today be changed and refined with God's grace, with God's presence in our lives? so that we can find satisfaction and fulfillment in this life, so that we may be able to enrich other people's lives this day with our own. How will we be challenged, comforted, and go out in new directions? How will we allow our aspirations to make a life that enriches everyone around us. Amen.